Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. Whether it's with someone close to you or someone you just met, sharing your faith can be difficult, but our God knows the challenge and his word contains wisdom for how to meet that challenge. In our current series, Living an Intentional Life, we're learning about the five eyes of evangelism. Identify, invest, intercede, inform, and invite. These five steps will help you to build a biblical strategy for bringing the gospel to others and watching for God to multiply your efforts. We're glad you're listening and we hope this series will renew your commitment to spread the good news. Now let's listen in. Have you ever received a really confusing invitation before? Something that really makes sense to you. A couple months ago, actually, I got an invitation to a guy's retirement party, and I thought, I would love to go celebrate this guy for his retirement. And the retirement party was on October 13th, and I started looking over the invitation, and I realized that there was actually no place listed for where this retirement party was supposed to happen. And I thought, this is an error, because I guess just on October 13th, we're supposed to stop what we're doing, and wherever we are in the world, just celebrate this dude. You know, we're not even assembling together, and I thought, this was an invitation that kind of was missing a crucial piece of the story. A very important detail was missing on this invitation. Where am I supposed to show up for this party? But maybe you've not received an invitation that's not really fully accurate. Have you ever realized that you've not been invited to something and everybody else has been invited to that? That feeling where you're sitting at work and you're talking about somebody's wedding over the weekend and someone says, are you going to so-and-so's wedding? And you realize, I wasn't invited to Sarah's wedding, so no, I don't guess. We'll be going to Sarah's wedding, and it's that inter-awkward moment where you just kind of want to, like, escape from the situation. Or how about this one? You go to a Mexican restaurant to pick up a quick bite of lunch, and there's a bunch of your coworkers enjoying queso, and you thought to yourself, hmm, I didn't know there was a team lunch today. But they did not deem me important enough to bring the invitation or offer an invitation to that lunch party. And so if you've had those moments, you know it does not feel well. And it doesn't feel right. Well, this morning, I'm going to kind of go ahead and let all the stress out of the situation because today we are talking about an invitation for everyone. No one is excluded from where we are headed today. This is an invitation that is there for each and every one of us and also an invitation that we are to take into this world and to very compassionately and very courageously share with other people. This is not an exclusive access only invitation today. But rather, this is the invitation that Jesus Christ gives us to follow him. And I can't think of a better invitation for us to say yes to than that invitation to follow Jesus. And there is, in fact, not a better invitation that we could offer to someone else than to point them to what it would mean to have that life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's where we're headed today. For those of you who are new at Rolling Hills, welcome. I'm so glad you're here with us today. You have found us at week five of a five-week sermon series called Living an Intentional Life. And maybe you have no idea what we're doing today, and so I want to kind of catch you up. Five weeks ago, we said that in our life, we can identify people that don't know Jesus and that we want to grow in those relationships relationships with. And so then the second week, we talked about what it would mean to invest in those people, to get to know them, to be able to share about their life so that they're not a stranger, but someone that you're in a personal relationship with. And then three weeks ago, we talked about what it would mean to intercede for those people. And this is something I think that we don't really put as much credit to as we should, that there is power in bringing people before God and saying, God, I want you to work in their life. And if you would see fit, give me an opportunity to be involved in their lives. It has been my experience that when you pray, God, give me an opportunity to be involved in someone else's life. What does he do about 100% of the time? 
gives you an opportunity to be involved in their lives. And then last week, we talked about what it means to inform people about the truths of Jesus. And today, it's all about inviting, inviting them into that relationship with Christ, or maybe inviting them to come to your community group, or inviting them to coffee, or inviting them to a Christmas Eve service, or inviting them to a church, to a church service on Sunday morning like so many of you do. And that's the call that God has given each and every one of us. Now, just in case you're wondering, is there actually any biblical precedent for what I'm about to say today? The short answer is yes. If you were to say, Pastor Jason, where in the Bible does it tell me that I'm to invite people into a relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, you can just flop open your Bible and pick any of them. From Genesis all the way to Revelations, this is the refrain of Scripture, that God sent his son Jesus to give us life. And who has he commanded to be on the front lines of sharing that message with other people? It's me and you as followers of Christ. And so the passage of scripture that I really want to hone in on today comes from the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is where we're going to start today, and I want you to turn there with me. If you have a Bible, you know, just flop it open to the book of Acts. It's the fourth book, you know, right after the four gospels, and this is kind of where we're going to be spending most of our time today. But in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, what has just happened prior to this is Jesus was crucified. He was placed on a cross. He died. He comes off the cross. They place him in a tomb, and for three days he is in the tomb, and he rises from the tomb to conquer death once and for all, and before he ascends back to heaven, there was this short period of time that he comes back to the earth and walks with his disciples, those that he had called, In Acts chapter 1 is that moment. This is that moment of Jesus speaking to his uh, disciples. There's 11 of them at this point, which has now become a larger group of about 120 early uh, followers of Jesus. And listen to what he says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says there is power that is coming, and that power is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is fully God, the comforter, the counselor that God promised that would be sent to us to give us the the guidance and the encouragement that we need. And he says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and that's where this is actually happening in the first century. It's in Jerusalem. The, the place where uh, Jesus was, was put on a cross, the place where he ascended back to heaven, he's delivering this message. And he says, you will be my witnesses right here in Jerusalem. But you're also going to be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria, which were the outlying areas. And then he said, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. That's where we come in because we're not in Jerusalem this morning. That's where you and I come in. Praise God, the message of Jesus Christ made it here. And we are a link in that chain to continue inviting other people into that life-giving relationship with Christ. So this is a command that Jesus gave us. Because I can see in your eyes, some of you are thinking, I bet you guys get together as pastors and just come up with this stuff. You know, and you just say, you know, we really need to do this. And so let's just encourage everybody to do this. See, these are not my ideas. These are Jesus's commands. That we are to go and to bear witness, to invite, to share him with others. And if you're here and you're saying, you know what, that's just not as natural to me as it might be to somebody else. I, I, I struggle with that. I, maybe I'm, I feel uncomfortable or I'm awkward or, or I'm just nervous about that. I want to let you know that's the same is true for me. It's not easy even as a pastor to engage in spiritual conversations with people. We do it, and I hope and pray that you do it. But if you have any nervousness or any anxiety about that, know that there's probably about 85 to 90% of the people in the room that have that same level of anxiety. 
about inviting people and sharing with people. But this is the big idea. This is the truth that I want us to all grapple with because I think that we can all learn and glean wisdom from what it is that God is teaching us in his word. And you see this here on your notes. If you want to follow along or maybe write some of these things down, you can reflect up on them later in the week. You are most likely to invite others to be a part of what's most important to you. Have you seen that to be true in your own life? What do we tend to invite people to? We invite people to what's most important to us. You are most likely to invite others to be a part of what's most important to you. You never recommend anybody else watch a TV show unless you like that TV show. You're not going to say, this is a terrible movie, but go watch it. You're not going to invite somebody to a restaurant that you don't personally enjoy eating at because it matters to you. We don't invite people to do activities with us that we're not very good at. I mean, let's just be real. If you're not a very good golfer, you don't invite people to go golfing because I don't want to be bad at it. But if you're good at it, then you're all the time inviting people to go, to go with you because it's just natural that we're most likely to invite others to whatever's most important to us. And so if there's not an appetite in our life right now to want to invite other people to know Jesus or to share the hope of Jesus with others, then I would encourage us to kind of do some self-reflection and say, what needs to grow in my life? What, what needs to be, to be fed in my life to help me fall more and more in love with Jesus Christ so that... I would be more compassionate and passionate about sharing him with others. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. It's kind of like if I were to give you a fishbowl, and I filled that fishbowl completely filled with water, and I made you sit in the front seat of my car, and I drove you around our rocky property right now. What's going to happen with the water in the fishbowl? It's going to start sloshing out on you because whatever is inside always comes out. This is what Jesus is telling us about our heart. He's saying whatever the condition of your heart looks like, that's what your mouth is going to start speaking. So if constant criticism and negativity comes out of our mouths, then that's indicative of something that we need to address in our heart. On a more positive note, if constant encouragement and praise for other people comes out of your mouth, then that's also indicative of the condition of your heart. And so if not sharing Jesus with others is, is on our radar, if we say, hey, that's nowhere on my radar right now, then I would encourage us to say, well, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so, God, how can I grow more and more in love with you? It's why we encourage you every day to start your day not on Instagram and not on the news and not on the websites that, you know, that kind of feed you this, this narrative of how bad everything is, but to start your day on your knees saying, God, I give this day to you. It's why setting your mind on things above and spending time in God's word is of the utmost importance because it allows us then to be concerned about the things that Jesus is concerned about. And so if you continue on in Acts chapter 2, you'll see this guide that we have, the guide that we have when the power of the Holy Spirit comes up on us. Now in Acts chapter 2, Jesus has already ascended back to heaven, and now there's this group of 120 followers who are trying to figure out what to do next. And they've been promised that they would be sent the Holy Spirit, but I want you to pick up in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. So when the day at Pentecost came, they were all together. And who's the all? That's the 120. They were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. So the Holy Spirit descends upon this group of early believers and they begin speaking in languages that are recognizable to the crowd who is there. Now, why would this large crowd have been in Jerusalem at this point in time? Because this is seven weeks after Passover, which is the Feast of Weeks. It's one of the Jewish festivals that all the Jews from the Middle East would come and they would converge upon Jerusalem in this moment to go into the temple and to offer sacrifices for uh, their sins, praise, sacrifices of praise, if you will. And so this is one of those moments where Jerusalem is filled with people. And they're speaking different languages, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gives power in that moment. And this group of 120 starts proclaiming the, the, the goodness of God, and all these people start hearing it in a language that they understand. People from Libya, the Elamites, and naturally so, the crowd is so amazed by this that they don't think it's God. They think to themselves, these people have been drinking. And that's what's happening here in this moment. However, Peter steps up and brings clarity to the situation. He brings clarity to what's happening. So let's continue on in verse 14. So Peter stood up with the 11, and he raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. <laughs> no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. And the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Peter steps up and addresses the crowd, who is thinking, I don't know what's happening here, but it seems like all these people are, are intoxicated. And Peter steps up, and he addresses exactly what is happening. And we actually know, we archaeologically know where this happened. Because the visitors to the temple, they would have approached the temple through the southern gate. And so I have a picture here for you so you can see this. And imagine this, is, this was rebuilt in 500 A.D. So imagine this is actually the walls, though, of where the old temple was. And these steps lead all the way down into a valley. And what you can't see in this picture, kind of what's off the picture, is this continual decline all the way down to the valley. And I want you to imagine these people who are from all over the Middle East, and they're making their way up to the temple mount, and they're confused and they're wondering what's happening here. And Peter steps up on these steps and he says, these people are not drunk, but rather what's happening here is God's goodness is being shown. And I want to invite you, Peter says, to understand the goodness of God. And just like Peter, you and I have always got to be on the lookout. And this is on your notes there. You and I have always got to be on the lookout for opportunities to share with others the incredible things that God is doing. 
Peter does not let this moment pass without saying, there are some incredible things that are happening here, and we want you to see it. The prophet Joel said this was going to happen, and it happened. And you see people proclaiming and praising God. Peter saying, look what God has done. It was prophesied, and it happened. Peter saying, it's not coincidence that you can hear the words of God in your own native language. Look how cool this is. Look how incredible this is. And see, the same is true for you and I today. I believe that one of the most significant things that we can do when we're inviting people into a conversation about Jesus Christ, one of the most significant things that we can do is to share with others about what God has done in our life. To tell other people how good God has been to us. And if you're here and you have that relationship with Jesus Christ, that's where you should start. (laughs) Because Jesus Christ saved you from eternal separation from God. And he has made you right. He has made you whole. Some of you have experienced healings and miracles in your life, and you're sitting on that information, and you're never sharing that with anybody. It's time to share about what God has restored in your life and what God has brought freedom to you in your life. Maybe you have peace in the midst of trial. By the show of hands, has anybody ever had peace in the midst of a trial that can only be described by God? Few of us, yeah. I would say most of us would probably say, absolutely. I have had peace in my life that I know was not in my own human power or my own human intuition. See, it's time to share that with people in our invitations and in our stories that we share with others, that closeness and that hope that you have. And Peter says to this crowd who's assembled, this too can be your story. In fact, in verse 21, he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Salvation is here for everyone who humbles themselves and responds to that invitation that Jesus gives us. So pick back up in verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep his hold on him. Peter says, Jesus was sent to you. He performed miracles and signs and wonders. He did all of this in your midst, but instead of accepting him, you wicked men, you put him to death, but death did not hold him down. God raised him from the dead. And it's as if Peter is saying, you missed him the first time, but guess what? Here's another opportunity (laughs) to just see how good he is. See, that greatest invitation that you and I will ever offer someone else is that invitation to follow Jesus. The greatest invitation that you and I could ever offer to someone else is an invitation to follow Jesus. And that invitation stands today just like it did back in the first century. Jesus can be trusted. Oftentimes people will ask me, how can you trust Jesus? Of all the things in this world, how can you trust Jesus? And my answer is simply this. I will trust the Savior who died for the people who put him to death. Jesus died for the very people who nailed him to the cross. It's what separates him from all the other religious leaders. That's why Jesus is central to everything we do, and I hope and pray that Jesus will be central to everything that you do. When you take these cards and invite people to come to church, you're not just inviting them to a church service, you're inviting them to an opportunity to hear about Jesus. When you invite them to your community group, I hope and pray that you realize you're inviting them to more than just a gathering of friends. You're inviting them to a place where Jesus will be talked about and Jesus will be proclaimed. And I know this this comes as no shock to you, but the world desperately needs Jesus. The world desperately needs Jesus. 
I see it every day, and I hope and pray that you see it as well, that people are trying their best to find peace and hope in all of the things that never really satisfy. But that peace and that comfort and that life only comes from him. Those yearnings can only be filled through Christ. And see, where you and I come in is that God has actually commanded us to go be his ambassadors. He's commanded us to go live that life of faith, to invest in others, to share the hope of what is most important to us. And see, your life helps other people see what they're truly missing. Your life helps other people see where that freedom can come in their life, just like it has come in your life. This has been my experience, and perhaps this has been your experience as well. And I I want you to write it down so that you won't forget it. You don't know what you're missing until someone else invites you to see what you're missing. (laughs) Think about it. You and I never know what we're missing in life until someone actually invites us to see what we are missing. I didn't know how good Bluebell ice cream was until about five years ago. I grew up in a part of the country where there was no Bluebell. I thought I had a good childhood, but I'm starting to question that because my life would have been a lot better had I been introduced to that much earlier. Because I'm thinking to myself, I used to think all ice creams were created equal. They're not. It's far superior than everything else. I didn't know what I was missing until someone said, what do you think about Bluebell ice cream? What's this Bluebell you speak of? And I got some, and I was like, hallelujah. You know, it's, it's this moment. But when it comes to matters of faith, people don't realize what they're missing until they often they see it lived out in your life. And you're able to help them see, I don't have to worry about things because I know that Jesus is with me. That's where you and I come in. This is our part of the story. We do the inviting. We engage in the conversations. We point people back to Jesus and what he has done in our life. And what that does is that serves as a catalyst for others. And as you can imagine, it happened right here in Acts chapter 2 as well. Go back to the text in verse 29. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing was what to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we're all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Scroll down to verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? See, God raised Jesus to life. And these early disciples and this group of 120, they started witnessing it. And God poured out his Holy Spirit on them. And they began proclaiming that to others, that God made Jesus who you crucified. And it says in verse 37, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter, What shall we do then? Isn't it amazing when the gospel is proclaimed? What it does is it cuts to the heart of a person, and it dissects the things in their heart. It helps them realize the error in their ways. It helps them realize the sin in their life. It helps them realize that only Jesus is the answer for what we need. And I hope you've seen that. I hope you've seen those moments when Jesus is proclaimed to someone else, and you can many times, I mean, I've seen this more times than I can count, you can physically see it in a person's posture. And you can see it in their eyes. And you can see the fact that they're processing the fact that there is a God who loves them. And a God who sent his son Jesus to die 
for all the sins, to not hold, for that to not be held against them anymore. I can't explain it in human terms how it happens because human words do not fully express it. But when you see it, it hopefully will compel you to say, I want to be involved in that even more. In fact, you and I don't have to do this. We get to do this. How cool is that? This isn't a chore for us. Rather, this is a blessing. Because we're followers of Jesus Christ, we get to invite other people into that relationship and share that good news with others. And there's lots of reasons to not invite. My list of reasons not to share with other people is, is, is a list just like you have. And maybe it's embarrassment, or maybe it's scare, fear, or maybe it's anxiety, or just or I, I don't know what to say, or I'm going to be asked a question that I don't know how, how to answer. And, and that's normal. But I do want you to realize this. See, next steps of faith always involve invitations, though. Next steps of faith always involves invitations. If you've taken a step of faith, it's because that truth has been presented to you at some point in your life, and someone invited you into that next step of faith. And they shared that good news with you, and you responded. If it's a next step of baptism, it's, a, it's an invitation that you receive and you say yes to that invitation. And it's what happened actually in Acts chapter 2. Because the people are saying, what shall we now do? What is our next step, if you will? And look at what Peter says in verse 38. So Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise... Um, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom our Lord God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. See, this promise was for them and the promise is for us today. And in this moment, 3,000 people, because they were cut to the heart, the message cut through their heart and they said, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent and believe. And thousands of people follow Jesus. And sometimes we read this and we think this is kind of this fictional mythological story. Guys, this actually happened. And God wants to do the same thing in your life today, to see transformation happen in others, not because of how good we are, but because we're obedient to sharing and inviting. Those steps of faith always involve an invitation. And I pray that you'll be courageous in your invitations. I pray that you'll be bold in your invitations. In fact, I celebrate today that you guys are an inviting church. You invite people. You're bringing your family all the time. You're inviting your neighbors. You're bringing people up and saying, hey, I invited so-and-so to church, and they, and they showed up today. And there's nothing that brings us more joy than to know that you want to share that good news with others. Just this past Wednesday night, I was hanging out here uh, with some of our students at student ministry, and there's this awesome sixth-grade guy in the group, and I've actually known him before he was ever a part, ever was at school, and, uh, and so a, a neat kid, and um, he came up to me, and I was standing right back here, and he came up to me, and he had a friend with him, and he said, Pastor Jason, I want to invite, I want to introduce you to so-and-so, and said the friend's name, and he said, he's never been to church before, and I invited him, and I thought to myself, please don't cry in front of the students, like this is not a good look. You know, like, I'll cry in front of you guys, but I'm trying to stay cool, you know, with the middle schoolers and the high schoolers. And I was like, but I went home and I just thought to myself, praise God, he gets it. He's in sixth grade, and he says, I think something really cool is happening here, so I wanted my friend to come. And I love to hear those stories. I love when you bring those stories because, see, those next steps of faith always involves invitations, and God wants to use you. And there's lots of reasons that you won't say yes to that. But I do want you to know that when you say yes to the inviting, what does God do? God works. 
God works. I want to close today by sharing a story with you. And it's a story that you're going to see up here on video. And this story really helps underscore how significant the power of the invitation is and how significant it is to say yes when Jesus places a call on your life. And this story actually comes from the Amazon jungle. It comes from one of our pastors whose name is Pastor Esdras. And Pastor Esdras was at the brink of quitting But God placed a calling upon his life to be faithful to what it is that he called him to do, to invite other people to know about Jesus Christ. And I want you to celebrate today and see this story that I believe is so significant that will hopefully encourage each and every one of us as we seek to live a life of faith. Take a look. Maybe maybe your Portuguese isn't very good or your eyes are very tired and that font was really, really small on the subtitles. And you're like, hey, what was that all about? If you didn't catch it, I want to share with you what Pastor Ezra said. Pastor Ezra said that he was at a point when he was discouraged and he was ready to quit, and he comes to be encouraged by other believers. And there is a remote tribe that has a few believers, and they're praying that God would send someone to their tribe to tell them about Jesus. And they had a 21-day prayer campaign. When's the last time you prayed 21 days for anything? A 21-day prayer campaign, and they said, God's going to send someone, and his name is going to be Ezra's. And those leaders come to a conference, and they meet someone named Ezras, and they said, we've been praying for someone named Ezras to come to us. Will it be you? And Pastor Ezras said, how do you say no to that? How do you say no to that? And now there's a thriving church, including the tribal chief, having a relationship with Jesus Christ, and the forever eternities of those people are changed. Why? Because one guy had the courage to invite and to say yes And my friends, the same is true for you and I today. We may not have a moment that's as dramatic as that. We may not have those moments, or we may be yearning for that moment when we would hear God's voice so clearly that we would respond in obedience. Well, God already spoke in his word, and he commanded us to go. He commanded us to share. He commanded us to invite And so in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, we're encouraged to not become weary in doing good. Why? Because at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I hope and pray that if you're on the brink of giving up on those people in your life, that today would be the day that you're re-energized. Maybe you have a son that you've invited 25 consecutive weeks to come to church with you, and he has yet to show up. You keep inviting. Maybe you have a neighbor that you've been inviting to to a group or you've been inviting into a relationship for years and they have not said yes yet. You keep inviting because the Bible reminds us to not grow weary in doing good. And when we don't grow weary in doing good, at the proper time, a harvest will be reaped. And so my prayer for each and every one of us today is that those five people who are on your mind right now, those five people you've been praying for, be bold, be courageous, step into their lives. And say, you know what, I I want you to know about what's most important to me, and I want to invite you into what can be most important in your life. And so my prayer for all of us is that we would live out our calling, that we'd be faithful with all of our days to be on the front lines of what it is that God is doing here in this place and in our lives, and that we would respond in obedience. That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app or follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. 
We're thankful you spent some time with us today. See you next time.